J.M. in the A.M. Well, we got back from Venice uh, just before Thanksgiving weekend, you'll recall. And uh, we've been trying to uh, get Leon Goldenberg, our American chair for the uh, the Venice uh, Jewish Unity Initiative, on the air. And we have finally succeeded this morning, I'm glad to say. I've said this uh, probably ten times already on these airwaves. Uh, but when we first brought this concept to uh, Leon and mentioned the city of Venice and its Jewish community. His eyes lit up because he knows just how incredible a place it is and uh, just how much spirit the small Jewish community of Venice can use. And anybody out there who visits there, keep that in mind. You have an opportunity to really bring some inspiration and spirit to a uh, to an intense but small Jewish community. Leon Goldenberg, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you, Nachum. So let me tell you, I don't like to bring it up again and again and again. Well, what is it about small communities that woke me up? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. You know, it's funny. I'm, in preparation for this morning, I'm saying to myself, you know, you travel to a lot of small places, and I can get your perspective, especially for those of us who hang out in the in the luxury of, you know, having millions of Jews around us in these areas. We could talk a little bit about small communities. But, yes, if you go back into the annals of, uh, of JM and the AM history, a lot of people will recall that when we introduced the uh, idea of bringing a safer Torah to Eugene, Oregon, who spearheaded that effort? It was, of course, Leon Goldenberg. That it, was my first introduction, and I, and I say it all the time. And I speak, you know, I am actually I speak at a lot of uh, Shabbos, not a lot. I've a number of Shabbos night learning programs, and right. I speak about it. I will tell you clearly, it was one of the highlights of my life. Uh, but the idea of recognizing that there can be, as there were in times of old, right. Small Jewish communities that actually thrived. By the way, you know, I hate to be I hate to be uh, that bold in suggesting this, but one might argue that your introduction to small communities through our efforts in Eugene, Oregon, might be one of the reasons that you're so involved in the leadership of the Shalom Torah Centers. I, I don't deny that. Wow. I don't deny that. Wow. That woke me up to, oh, you know, Kirov had started really. In a, in a large force after the '67 war, right? Um, it was still an Israeli thing. It was still an Israeli event, right? And it was just beginning in America, and that's already over 20 years. Yep. And for me, that was really an eye-opening experience to recognize not what we bring to them, and I think that's the mistake that everyone makes. We're going to go to them, and we're going to show them what true Judaism is. Right. <laughs> It They're works. showing us. It works a little differently, huh? It works a little differently. They're showing us. You come to these small communities, and that they keep everything, and that they have everything, and that they have their small yeshivas or whatever they may have in order to exist. They are teaching us how to be true Jews. Well, if that, I, yeah. That's, I think, part of your experience in Venice. Oh, no question about it. And, and just back to the other point for a second, if I get 1% of the credit for what you've done with the Shalom Torah Centers, and I am one thrilled person... But yes, and by the way, Leon, you didn't tell us that be that at the last minute when you were not able to join us, we understood that, and, and we regretted it, but we understood it. You didn't tell us you'd be sending some spies along from your that's area. That's right, that's right. Who, who would literally be in the center of all the dancing going on that yeah, Saturday night yeah. during the Malava Malka, and who came over to us afterwards asking where we're going to next because they were so inspired by what we did in Venice, which was great. <laughs> that was really nice. But right. I know Ellie I, Lieberman and his wife, right. Ronnie, 
were there with another couple. I'm not actually sure who the other couple were. Uh, but he actually, I, when I, after Shabbos here, I already had from him, you know, pictures and everything. <laughs> I'm telling you. Before I, you. I know! We, we felt like you had a direct line, as, as, as if you were sitting and watching it. I'm telling you, it was absolutely incredible. And to, to have them come over and be so proud of what was happening was amazing. And we, there were other people there, because you know what it's like. It's Venice. There are people there from around the world every single Shabbos. And there were other people from Brooklyn and other areas of this uh, of this um, uh, you know this area of the world that were that happened to be there for Shabbos and saw you know were eyewitnesses to the entire thing. And it's funny because again you know you and this was so inspiring to us. The moment we told you about this, you were like you know this is a great idea and you're picking the right place because they could use the chizuk and because it's such an amazing history. And half of the trip, as you know, is bringing that history to our listeners. I mean, it was just a, an amazing experience because 99% of this audience will never have an opportunity to be in Venice and to see all this. And That's a mistake. They should That's go, right? Mistake. They should go. They should go. Yeah. I, I travel with my wife a lot. Sometimes she says too much. <laughs> it's only Jewish-related. Right. To see where Jews have lived, where they existed, what happened, what became, and if you go and you see and you travel and you understand Jewish history, you need to be a believer. It's impossible to have seen where Jews have been over the centuries, literally over the millennium, right. survived, created communities, and say that there isn't a God, that there isn't a God. These were, these are small, I mean... Venice grew into a large community, but it started off as a little nothing community. Yeah, well, you know, we, we've discussed your family history a number of times, you know. Right. Hard, hard, hard not to be a believer, you know, with what your family history is all about. So, right. But the Marie Mintz, right. which everybody, he's right from there, that area. Right. And he's buried there. You can go, you can go to these people's farm today, people that lived four or five hundred years ago, that are part of, of, of our, anything that you learn. You start to see this safer, that safer. It's quoted here, it's quoted there. These people lived in these areas, and some of them lived in little, little towns. Uh, from from uh, near Barbanel, when he was thrown out of Spain, went right. to Portugal. Mm -hmm. And then from Portugal, he went there, and he's, they, they don't have his kever. But he's buried in that area, near Venice. Yeah, it is. Uh, look, it's rich with Jewish history. You walk through that ghetto, you walk through the streets, you feel what was going on there 500 years ago and 400 years ago and 300 years ago. I mean, you're talking about an experience that's like none other. Uh, and it just, and you know, all this happening in a very, very small area, as you know. We kept describing it to our listeners. I don't think until you're there. No, you can't. You right. can't. No, you, you, you think of it, uh, you know, especially many people have gone to like the Warsaw ghetto. And it's blocks and blocks. This is one little block. Just a square. That's yeah. it. Shabbos afternoon, we were saying every kid growing up in this ghetto 400 years ago was in this square, you know, playing on Shabbos afternoon, basically. It's, it's, whoa, everything okay there? You all right there, Leon? Something, yeah. Something right. else that people don't realize. Yeah. Skyscrapers. Right. Where were they developed? Correct. It all started I there. Jews in Venice. Because you could only build up. You could only build up. You have eight-story buildings in Venice. It's just an incredible sight to see to see these eight-story buildings. You don't have that in Venice, yep. except in the ghetto. You do see it in other Jewish ghettos, because they were forced to live in small areas. And this was part of 
in a sense, the punishment that Jews went through because many times they didn't tear down a building like they do today, tear down like in Borough Park, they tear down a one family, put up two, uh, two six families. Right. They had to, while they were living there, they had to build another floor and another floor, and it became very dangerous. Dangerous and also very small. Those floors ended up being, you know, relatively short compared you to... You would not get into some of those floors. Correct. They'd have to let me be on the first floor, Leon. Please, <laughs> out, of, out of mercy, they'd have to let me live on the first floor. Right, right. Some of those floors were not six foot tall. That's for sure. You'd be, uh, you know, walking around on your knees all day. <laughs> so there we go. But so, it, it, it is important to bring Judaism to these places, to give them chizik, but to get chizik from them. No question about it. And we did get a big dose of physics, that's for sure. And I thank you again. Venice trip, uh, certainly a great, great success and recognized as such around the world. Hey, I wanted to get a minute with you uh, since we have you on the phone and you've been so difficult to get a hold of because of all your personal travels over the last couple of weeks. Um, I mean, I know you're watching very carefully as the uh, as the uh, new administration is, is forming in Washington, D.C., or I should say in New York City in Washington, D.C. Could you give us a word about the lessons in the aftermath of this election that that the influence of any group in this country and really any individual in this country is stronger and greater than we think and those who have not yet registered have got to go and do so and if there's one lesson we've learned from the election of 2016 is that literally every vote counts I think that's clear certain states it was a 10,000 count a state right in a national election but the personal relationships are so critical to our community. The personal relationships, I don't know if you saw the story about Saul Werdiger that was floating around. Yes. The two-year-old story. Great story. A great story, but this is a personal relationship. We can create, each one of us can, can call our congressman, and especially a congressman from outside of the New York, New Jersey area, where he doesn't have that many Jews in his, in his corner, and call him and create relationships with them. They want to know. They want to learn. I was called about two months ago by a new congressman. Somebody had uh, set me up with him. He has no Jewish community in his district. He has no Jewish community. He knows he's supposed to be supportive of Israel because it's good for his, but he really doesn't understand it. Mm -hmm. I spent two hours with him. I developed a relationship. We're emailing each other. I'm sending him certain articles. You can develop these relationships. They're so critical. There's no question. And, and we do have a new president, and it was really uh, by a few votes right. across the country. Registering and voting is critical and fundamental. And when you say getting involved in terms of personal relationships, uh, don't discount the young people as well. You would say it to people in their 20s and 30s as well, that they have an opportunity. A hundred percent. The younger, the better. Right. Simple as that. That's usually... That develops a long, long career that you can do this. Don't yeah. start when you're 80 and say, now I'm going to go out and do it. Now I have the time. Or I'm 65. Now I retire. Don't get me wrong. you retired. You want to do something. It's a great thing to do. But start in your 20s and develop those relationships. Because when you develop relationships with young people that are on the city level and on the state level, you don't know. I mean, this year was an anomaly right. in that both candidates were really not politicians. Right. Um, Clinton was a U.S. senator, but she came from nowhere to become a U.S. senator. I don't mean from nowhere, right. but she came from, from nowhere. Politically, the different, right. Right. And usually, as you take a look at all the members of the House, all the members of the Senate, 
They start off as city council people, state assembly, state senate, whatever it is in their state. So by making those relationships when they're young and when they're first starting out and trying to pick out who you think has the possibility of going, you can have the most impact. Like a Saul Werdegar who did something simple, but there's a, the, the, in the uh, Security Council, when they wanted to pass last year the resolution against Israel uh, to create the Palestinian state. So the U.S. was going to veto it, but they prefer not to veto. They lost by one to Palestinians. They were blown away because one African country that always voted with them voted abstained. And so therefore they didn't have the required, I think, nine or ten votes. Why did that country vote it suddenly? And this is even before the, uh, Netanyahu went to visit South Africa, in, in Southern Africa. Right. Because there was a Jewish guy in London, or in England, I'm not sure if he's in London, but I think he's in London, Jewish guy that does business in this little country and has created a relationship with the president. Netanyahu actually in one of his speeches mentioned this guy's name because he called up the president of the country and said, don't vote against Israel. Unbelievable. And he didn't vote against Israel, and they lost by one vote. Unbelievable. And the U.S. did not have to use its, its uh, veto power. Relationships can be incredible. Nothing about that story surprises you? That's no. for sure. No. Leon, I can't thank you enough. Tadarabah continued the great service to the Jewish world, and thanks for all your support. Okay, till your next trip. Bezrat Hashem. I hope to talk to you before. I hope so. And everyone... i got to talk to you about Shalom before the shoot for Shalom. Don't worry, we'll be, we'll be back. We'll certainly be in touch, <laughs> and everyone's asking where the next trip is. We need your input on that. Uh, Leon Goldenberg, everybody, on a Tuesday morning edition of JM in the AM.